Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast, and welcome back to our watch club for Star Wars Ahsoka. I don't know what frightens me more, the possibility of what might happen, or your unwillingness to see it. Welcome back to Watch Club. My name is Nate, and this is our Watch Club for Star Wars Ahsoka, Episode 7, Part 7, the penultimate episode, titled Dreams and Madness, directed by Gita Vasant Patel. Uh, If you're joining us for the first time, this is Watch Club, our weekly review series, kind of like a book club, but way better. Keep in mind, we will be going into full spoilers for this series and Star Wars in general, so if you haven't watched this week's episode yet, be sure to do so, and then come right back in less than 12 parsecs. Now, before we all bust out our our slingshots uh, to fight some night troopers, let me introduce you to a, a full rebel crew joining me today. First up, he is no Jedi. He's Justin the Lothcat Lawrence. Yo, what's going on? Dude, doing well, doing well. Sounds like you got hit in the throat with a slingshot. You, you doing okay? I feel like I got hit in the throat with a slingshot, <laughs> oh, no. for sure. Oh, no. <laughs> well, hopefully talking about this episode makes you feel a little bit better. I'll sound uh, worse by the end of it, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, there you go. Uh, but once again, uh, on more episodes of this series than I'd ever expect, uh, he's kind-hearted like Kanan, but just like Sabine, he's got to keep up with his training. He's Kevin the Hu Yang hugging Hudson. Nate, I find your lack of faith disturbing. <laughs> I mean, you know what, Kevin? I'm loving this this new you know uh, journey into Ahsoka's story. Um, you know, we got some uh, interesting moments that kind of touch upon uh, a little bit even more of her her backstory that I'm stoked to talk to you about. So, uh, but listen, last but certainly not the last Jedi. He's docking down, declaring droid in dank pendants. He's Darcy, the dank Dathomirian Hudson. Hello. Hello. <laughs> back again. Uh, you took a little bit of a break from uh, this watch club. Happy to have you back, Darcy. Yeah, I mean, last week I was very tired from a long week of work, and the episode wasn't my favorite. So I'm like, you know what? I'm in a bad mood already from work. I'll just, I won't have nice things to say. I'll take a step back for once. Yeah, he vented you, on You me. didn't give in to the... <laughs> oh, yeah. I laid into Kevin when I saw him, that's for sure. Oh, no. Oh, no. Gave into the temptation, into the dark side. Uh, but hopefully we can keep things a little more gray. Uh, in this episode, guys, we see uh, Ezra pass up using his his old lightsaber uh, and, and even a blaster in lieu of using the Force. I wanted to ask each of you, uh, if you could pick between the three for a fight against Thrawn's forces, uh, what would you go with, Justin? Oh, I probably would go with the blaster. Yeah, just because the lightsaber would be probably very intimidating. Uh, I think <laughs> for I would, sure, I would be more fumbling with it than a blaster. But if I was trained with a lightsaber, for sure, I'd pick up the lightsaber. But, for sure, uh, but I think I think as a photographer, like you know, your aim would probably be pretty spot on. I'd hope. There you go. I'd hope, Darcy. So. Yeah. What about yourself? Force all the way. I mean, we know the force can stop blasters. We've seen it stop the lightsaber now. Oh, you yeah. know, there's a lot of stuff it can do. It's incredibly versatile. You can even run away. Like I <laughs> you mean, can even run away. Kevin, hey, would you man, be running away? If I'm away? in a blaster fight, I'm running away. I'm trying to survive. That is the <laughs> end goal. <laughs> yeah. If I'm if I'm channeling my battlefront self, uh, my favorite was always the like standard troop with the standard blaster. Simple, easy. <laughs> nice and easy. You know, 
Mm-hmm. Um, I don't care what Obi Wan says. A nice, uh, accurate blaster is and can be very elegant. Interesting, interesting. I think for myself, like, I don't trust myself to be able to aim anything. I think I'd have worse aim than a stormtrooper. So uh, I think uh, I think I definitely wouldn't go with that. And I think with a lightsaber. As as much as it's a dream, obviously, you know, between Darcy and I, I think we own all the lightsabers uh, from <laughs> Galaxy's Edge. But I think um, I think for myself, I would also go with the force. I think I'd chop my own feet off with a lightsaber. Yeah, Nate, um, we, so saw, I would we saw that video of you in your garage twirling the lightsaber around. It went <laughs> viral. Me. It went viral, viral video. years ago. Yeah. <laughs> That was absolutely 100% me. Um, so yeah, no, I think I think the force would be would be good as much energy as it t- as it looks like it takes. I think it would be worth it uh, to keep my limbs. Um, but uh, but before we keep going here, I do want to just pause and remind you listening that we here at Geek Centric uh, support SAG AFTRA as they continue to strike to get the contract they deserve. Uh, we're stoked uh, that it seems as though the WGA uh, has finally. Uh, gotten to an agreement, and we're hoping for the same outcome uh, for our lovely, uh, incredible actors that act in all these things that uh, if we didn't have them, we wouldn't get these phenomenal stories like these ones from a galaxy far, far away. So if you want to support the actors of the things uh, that we love, you can do so by checking out the links in our description. But let's get into this penultimate episode, part seven titled Dreams and Madness. What a way to kick things off. Let's go. Uh, This week, we kick things off on Coruscant, where Hera Syndulla is on trial for her actions from last week's episode. Uh, Senator Ziono tells the council uh, that Hera has no problem bending the rules and the laws of their government to meet her personal agenda. He sarcastically says she protected the New Republic by ignoring direct orders. And she corrects him by saying she protected the New Republic by ignoring him. And everyone in that room should have gone, oh, shit! (laughs) (laughs) That was at least in my head canon. Uh, Ziono claims her report reads like a child's fairy tale. He goes on to claim there is no proof of any coordination between Imperial forces. And Carson Teva chimes in and asks about the conflict on Mandalore. And Ziono says Gideon was a warlord acting on his own. Uh, He motions that General Syndulla be court-martialed for disobeying a direct order. Just then, we hear some commotion in the background, uh, and we hear a, how rude, uh, and it's frickin' C-3PO, uh, who informs them that Senator Leia Organa personally sanctioned Hera's reconnaissance mission, uh, which for Chancellor Mon Mothma settles the matter. Uh, she then pulls Hera aside to ask how real the threat of Thrawn's return really is, to which Hera says, we have to prepare for the worst and hope for the best. Wow, like, what a... F- fantastic way to open the episode what did you guys think of the the revelation in terms of the timeline confirmation uh ziono's aggressiveness and and kevin our golden boy what did you think of seeing c3po yet again uh it's definitely awesome to to see 3po here uh to see 3po um uh, i think um you know it's obviously cool to see these legacy characters, and you're right, it does do a great job of really establishing where we're at. Oh, yeah, Leia would absolutely be around and, and in a power mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, a position of power. Uh, somebody on Twitter actually brought up a really good point, though, and I'm wondering what you guys think. Uh, it was Jordan uh, Maison on Twitter. He asked, you know, he says they just need to go ahead and recast Leia and some others for this era. 
because things like the, you know, she sends a message trick will not work, you know, again, or it, it'll get old really, really quickly. And I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. If, if we're going to spend a lot of time in this era where you have Luke, you have Leia, are they, you know, better off maybe recasting um, some people to play these characters? It's worked with Mon Mothma. You've had, you know, Carrie, uh, uh, the the actress play her in the, um, you know, at different eras with with our new actress inserted at different timelines throughout. So, like, would it work for a a, a more, you know, impactful big time player? I'm wondering. See, I think this is it's interesting because I think this was in my mind when it when this happened and he, he mentions Leia, I was just like, what a fantastic way to do this without having to spend a, a ton of money on a, a another Luke de-aging uh, situation as much as that's, you know, for the most part. Uh, worked, I think, in those those uh, Book of Boba Fett episodes. I always have to check myself to make sure I'm saying the and right Mando. series. Uh, and Mando. Um, I just think that uh, you're right. The idea of like just this over and over and over again might not work. Um, I, I could see them potentially uh, doing that. I, I'm wondering, you know, again, I think the difference is that Mark Hamill is still alive, right? It is. Yeah, I think that's the biggest difference too. But... Um... Uh, Carrie Fisher's daughter, I think, would be a good casting if you were to recast. And oh yeah, so Billy Lord, Billy Lord would would definitely, I think, that would be okay. I think Star Wars fans wouldn't get so squeamish about it. Uh, it would be the right way to respect Carrie Fisher and Princess Leia and having her involved in these stories. Um, I think that would be great. Um, also, just you know, throwing it out there. I know it's not everyone's favorite movie, but we have had a Han Solo already. So if you bring him back and age him up. You can mm. have him be a younger Han with Billy, and I think that that works. Luke can be the elusive one, the the one that only shows it pops up every so often because he's this, you know, all powerful Jedi doing these things and uh, stuff like that. So I, I'm I'm less concerned with them having to cat if they were going to, to cast someone if they can keep this whole de aging thing and and use almost Mark Hamill as Luke to kind of perfect to perfect it, to, to get better at it, to understand how the technology works and use it to improve the technology. I'm, I would be okay with that. But, uh, you know, to your point, Nate, I, I was I was completely fine with the way this, this went down. Um, I think it was a, a loving cameo. It was more touching than anything else, uh, I, I feel. And uh, it's great to hear, obviously, Anthony Daniels' voice oh my gosh, as yeah. a character again and just to hear him off in the distance. And then <laughs> just the introduction is, is immediately kind of like... Uh, his he, he's about to introduce himself and he, he's cut off by Mon Mothma like three people mm. like like we know who you are it's just it felt so you know familiar and then casual at the same time so I really loved how they how they sprinkled it in and but to Kevin's point they can't keep doing that right he, he can't just be the spokesperson for uh, you know Leia Organa yeah like it's fantastic here but you, you can't keep doing it if this is a, a, an era and you know a, a story we're going to tell for years over tv shows and eventually the big movie i mean at some point leia's got to be missing in action or she's got to be there and how do they do it is the big question it'll be interesting to see absolutely absolutely i do also want to address the other sort of i think like kind of a there was so much happening 
that you know there wasn't much happening but there was so much happening at the same time and then and i think that's some of the best parts of getting to see some of these sort of political sides of star wars and it's what andor did uh so well but we got an uh you know uh, an incredible moment for hera here such a sick burn on ziono um but then i also wanted to kind of um maybe have darcy chime in and, and the understanding that now we know this is set after Mando season three. I know last week we kind of thought, oh, maybe it could have been during uh, season three, but that little line from Carson Tiva bringing up the conflict on Mandalore uh, lets us know otherwise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it makes sense. We already saw Zeb and Mandalore as working for the New Republic, so it kind of lines up with the fact that he's off training new recruits at this base where, again, we saw we were introduced to new recruits and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Our first, our first introduction to the New Republic. So it kind of makes sense that they're they're using this episode to really pin it down and i i'm totally fine with that i mean that was already kind of my thoughts going into this just because where we last saw ahsoka in book of boba fett and what she was doing at that point kind of this that was clearly before anything that happened here so that kind of sets up it's got to be later on uh i gotta say though ziono seems shady af super i think he already i think he is helping the imperial remnants he's like they're not doing anything no they're not doing anything Way too forceful, man. You got to pump the brakes a bit if you're trying to sell the Senate that there aren't Imperials about. <laughs> yeah, he's shutting down. You know, he's saying like, oh, don't worry about Moff Gideon. Don't worry about any of that. Like we saw the Shadow Council in uh, in Mando. I, I I really do think that this guy is connected. Uh, he's maybe the connecting thread between the New Republic and the Shadow Council, maybe using the communications that he's getting from the New Republic directly to uh, the Shadow Council. And I think the other thing that's interesting as well, just with Ziono, there was so much from Ziono, and I I don't have the actor's name, but uh, phenomenal performance from him. Um, You know, I think it takes a a lot to get you to love a character. I think it takes an equal amount to get you to hate a character, and I'm just like, I hate this guy. Uh, But I think his unwillingness to believe in Jedi and Star Wales just shows, like, kind of either how ignorant the world is uh, on these things, or just how much he's really trying to hide these facts from the world. Well, I mean, the world is also pretty ignorant. If you think about the first movie, they all no one believes in Jedi anymore. So uh, these these even more crazy ideas about Star Wars and distant galaxies and getting there. Of course, people aren't going to buy that crap. I mean, they don't believe in Jedi. <laughs> right. And I don't think it gets any better because uh, we know that Ziono is is um, from Hosnian Prime. And we all know, we all know what happens. Like it's like his his hubris is really showing in this scene. And then it's sort of you connect the dots, and you're like, oh yeah. I mean, they were probably very ignorant when they were blown up by Starkiller Base. Um, I also just want to shout out Chopper as well. Just the 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 moment that reminded me, like Kev, you know the meme of the cat with the it's like the cat looking at the two ladies and they're like yelling at him or whatever yeah it was, basically it was like that. hold me back bro hold me back bro yes. <laughs> oh, Yo, what did he oh, say okay. yeah <laughs> i'm about to chop his ass yeah, a I... mere droid i just he doesn't know the maniac that he's literally standing in front of in that moment like, this guy this, this droid is like murdered millions of people like you you better pump the brakes as uh, as he said, Darsky. <laughs> um, Admiral Akbar, awesome to see him sitting there next to Mon Mothma. Um, but yeah, the real star of the show, like Anthony Daniels, this is his twelfth live action appearance, uh, which is officially uh, again. I think this or he already had this title, but the most uh, an actor has ever appeared in live action Star Wars. That's not counting his appearance as not C-3PO and Han Solo uh, or his appearances or vocal appearances in the animated series. Um, but no, I think 
I think if anything, I think my favorite moment in this scene was just seeing Paul Sun Hyung Lee's we'll we'll call it a performance, but his just straight up fanboy like eyeing C3PO as he's walking towards him to talk to C3PO. Like what a phenomenal experience for him. I'm so happy for this guy. Yeah, guy keeps checking off all every nerd's dream basically. Like it <laughs> gets better episode. every time he's in the every time he's in an episode he's, he's checking off another thing. He's like, "I got to talk to this guy. I got to fly next week. I got to do this." <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Attack foils in S position. Like just unreal. Unreal. Uh, or is it S-foils in attack position? All right, yes, take my nerd card back. Give it back to Carson. <laughs> um, and then just the fact that this, guys, this was all before the title reveal. Like the fact that we got this huge, lovely chunk of a scene with this, you know, with these cameos and everything. And then, boom, Ahsoka, the title reveal. I just, unreal. Unreal. I'm higher on this episode, I think, the second time now that I've watched it back. But uh, let's keep going here. Back on Ahsoka's ship, still inside a Purgle, by the way, we see Ahsoka training alongside a previously recorded hollow message of her master, Anakin Skywalker. As Hu Yang enters, Ahsoka says that Anakin made 20 or more of those recordings uh, and that this was his last one. She says uh, he was a good master, and Hu Yang informs her that the whales are near the end of their journey. Hu Yang tells her that the odds of finding Sabine are astronomically terrible. As soon as they drop out of hyperspace, uh, they fly towards Pridia. Unfortunately, though, in order to make it to the planet, they have to now travel through a field of orbital mines. The Purgle take, uh, they take off back into hyperspace, leaving Ahsoka and Hu Yang to dodge and weave. Uh, then, just as they clear the minefield, three enemy fighters begin to chase them into the Purgle bones floating around the planet. Enoch, inf Enoch informs Thrawn uh, that their fighters have chased her into the debris field, and Thrawn, having just learned that Anakin was her master he tells Enoch to call off the fighters to let her choose her own path so that they will stay one step ahead of her the fighters back off and they land uh, her and Huyang land safely among the bones Ahsoka recognizes Thrawn's tactics and Huyang begins to scan for Sabine okay so a couple things to to discuss here um first off like Justin let's get into that that recording of Anakin what did you think of of uh, that moment, uh, and then I also with the with everyone I want to talk about Thrawn's discovery of Anakin uh, as Ahsoka's master. Yeah, uh, the 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 hologram was was awesome. It gave me at least new context to look at it based on the last time we saw her interaction with Anakin and right. understanding what she learned from that in relation to I guess this old lesson that has new value. Mm. Um, and I, and I I think that it was great to just remind us that in a lot of ways, Ahsoka is okay with the path of her master. She understands that Anakin was a good person, right? Mm -hmm. And that the two are separate. In her mind, she can make peace with knowing that her master was teaching her the right way as Anakin. Again, another little reminder of the lessons that were to be taken from not just Clone Wars, but episode five with Hayden Christensen uh, making his reappearance as the character. So it was really great. Well, I think this, in my mind, this recording came from uh, Tales of the Jedi mm -hmm. um, and specifically, and I, Kevin, if you haven't watched Tales of the Jedi, I don't know if that was one of the things that we had told you to watch prior to this series, but I'm telling you, if you're digging Ahsoka's character, and of course, if you dig Count Dooku, which who doesn't dig Count Dooku, um, you should definitely check out Tales of the Jedi. Um, but I, speaking of Dooku, I love the name drops that we got. We got General Grievous. We got Asajj Ventress. We got Count Dooku. And I think the coolest thing about this 
is in my mind, in that moment, he's teaching her form four with two lightsabers uh, in terms of her fighting style. And that's so fitting because, you know, if you think about the the biggest moment or the, the biggest moments, including Anakin and two lightsabers, it would be, I mean, General Grievous had maybe at least two or three or four probably at a time, uh, but Asajj Ventress definitely with two. And then, of course, Count Dooku, eventually he would have, you know, the double, the, the two lightsaber moment at the end of Count Dooku's life. So it's just kind of a neat sort of tie-in that they would have had, that they would have added for that moment. I just thought it was kind of, kind of cool. I feel like you're reaching there, but <laughs> I feel like you're really reaching because Anakin was never a fan of form two. The, the, his, the, I saw his Ventress, sorry, form four, and I saw his Ventress didn't use it either. Just dual wielding is a very common thing. And I think it was more just the lesson that he's teaching her to survive. That's right. Yeah. And I think yeah. the other thing too is that he kind of makes that like, sly remark of practice it more than i do because he doesn't practice right like, yeah he's just, he, he he's, sticks to one thing and d- that's it he yeah, uses and, his power and overpowers people yeah and and it's interesting too because not to say that he was a a reluctant leader but it's very clear from the episode five with seeing these past memories with him that it, his perception of of a padawan changed right like mm. he looked at her as a warrior not as another you know keeper of peace I think that that ties into why Ahsoka feels sort of slighted or guilted by the path that that Anakin ended up taking and did some of his dark side rub off on on her. You know, those are the sort of questions that I think she's kind of been dealing with. But here it's just nice to see her, you know, after her moment, just have another perception of this this training from so long ago. Uh, it, it just gives new light to it all. Well, and I, I do. I will say that in. Uh, if there is a connection that I, I really dug that maybe actually really does stand out is him uh, at the end saying, trust trust your instincts, right? Which is a line that's been passed down from unorthodox Jedi to unorthodox Jedi throughout her lineage, which I just think was was really lovely. And I know that's kind of just a, a standard line, but um, I thought it was it was fantastic. And I did think this scene was really touching in, in the sense that like, she's, I believe in you. Yeah. she's she, well, not only that, but she she does the bow just as he does, right? As if she's like done this so many times before that she's like practiced this, right? Um, I just think it really shows how much she really does actually respect who who he was uh, to her uh, and what he taught her. And the fact that they showed the box that she keeps all of these in, it, it makes me wonder, especially given the fact that the next scene we're about to talk about with Thrawn mm-hmm. coming to the realization of, of uh, uh, you know, Ahsoka's master being Anakin, uh, could he could he get those in his hands and and have them as like an archive steal them? Wow, that possibly possibly. I just think that that like his realization there is again Thrawn's first or reintroduction to canon. His first appearance was him crash landing on a planet with Anakin and them having to work together to survive. So he had first hand interaction with Anakin and that was his idea of a Jedi for the longest time until he came back years later to, jo- uh, to join the empire basically and hunt the Jedi. And he was almost disappointed because they were not nowhere near as creative or inventive as Anakin. So again, he knows how unorthodox Anakin was and can only assume that his pad- Padawan oh. will be just as unhinged Nichols- type thing. So Nicholson acted that scene flawlessly. So, oh, so like, his, his realization, his eyes, oh, his yeah. pause, his like sort of slow turn to Morgan with like, her master was Anakin Skywalker. It, it makes you wonder too, like how much he, like again, as you've outlined, Darcy, you know how much of of their have they have 
Anakin and him had interactions and is he aware of of Anakin and fighting in the in the Clone Wars and and whatnot oh and he had in in the later books of course the second trilogy of uh Thrawn books that are have been canonized uh he is one he is on the trail of finding out that Darth Vader is Anakin so I'm not sure if he ever came to that realization it seems like it seems I think he he might know yeah yeah Yeah. that's that to me was the biggest was the biggest giveaway was, was mm-hmm. you you know you filter that in with that he's probably had the interaction with Anakin, and he's interacted he's, with Vader, and he's interacted with Vader. So it, I think he's made those 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 conclusions. So I think so. That's that was that was the most telling part of the scene. So good, so good. Okay, uh, let's keep going here. We then catch up with Sabine and Ezra to learn that Sabine has informed Ezra of the Empire's defeat, the Battle of Endor, uh, and that the Emperor died, or at least. That's what people say. Uh, there's also a new republic. Uh, Zeb is training recruits, uh, and Hera's commanding a fleet. The one thing Sabine hasn't explained, though, is how she found him. She says it's complicated and shifts the conversation to tell him that Ahsoka took her on as her apprentice. When Ezra asks where Ahsoka is, Sabine pauses again because it's complicated. Um, so last week we mentioned how it was going to be kind of a we thought it would be a really big deal when Sabine has to explain this, uh, explain, you know, the past decade uh, to Ezra. Kevin, what did you think of this complicated, I'm using an air quotes here, uh, conversation? <laughs> I mean, as an audience, we don't really need too much of a refresh ourselves. And right. so I think you guys talked a lot last week about how they padded out the episode um, at mm-hmm. certain points. And so I think, that anything more than what we got here really would have been padding it out. Um, mm-hmm. They could have even just cut into them talking and him being like, "Really, all that happened in the last, or, you know, since I've been gone? Wow, <laughs> you know." Um, yeah, even that would have almost been better than just sort of glazing glazing over it like they did. But I do like how um, Sabine does skip over the actual tricky questions, you know, like the fact that she thinks Ahsoka's probably dead and that sort of thing. You mm-hmm. know, I did find that uh, kind of funny. Well, I think it's just, you know, she wants to, you you can't imagine how difficult it would be for her to kind of uh, process that and and, and how does she tell Ezra. So I I get the idea of of it's complicated. I just think, though, that like, I don't know, you you mentioned how you you thought it didn't really pad out the moment. I, I felt as though it, sitting there watching this episode, I'm like, Sabine, is it complicated? Like, could you not get into this a little bit more? I don't know. My biggest thing is the fact that, I mean, Ezra clearly wants to go home mm-hmm. and assumes Sabine has a way to get home. So <laughs> he does by avoiding the the that episode. is just like, Sabine, you're being kind of selfish right now. Well, he wants to go home and you have no way to do that. It's just, yeah. like, this feels sort of typical. It shows how Sabine hasn't really grown. She's so immature. Yeah, mm. Exactly. In terms of like accepting her, you know, talking about her feelings and or talking about what what's going on right she she suppresses it she she buries it and i think that's very much why we saw her where we saw her at the beginning of this 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 series is you know in a place of of sort of suppressing her her, her true feelings of about the events uh, you know leading to loss of losing ezra mm-hmm. um in in a lot of ways too though their their banter and their interaction does still feel very rebels esque sure absolutely uh and i think that 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 part at least felt a little refreshing especially given the fact that like he was like is it complicated right like <laughs> he knows i think i yeah. think he knows without yeah. knowing right kind right. of thing i guess maybe not given where we end up but yeah i, I think it, I, I think there was parts of it that felt very nuanced to rebels and and you know sabine needs to grow up obviously 
Well, I will say one thing that I, I will uh, give to Sabine, or I guess more so probably Filoni. I just, I love how Sabine responds when Ezra says the Emperor is dead. And she says, that's what people say. Because it just continues to, to, to show us how, uh, you know, in my mind, that was Dave Filoni saying, like, you know, I'm still working on it. I'm still working on the somehow Palpatine returned. Like, everyone relax. You know, it'll be okay. Um, I think she's, I think that was kind of what he was writing in that moment of just, like, that's what people say. I mean, maybe. Who knows, right? So, uh, But let's keep going here. So Thrawn uh, meets with the Great Mothers once again uh, and tells them Ahsoka Tano lies hidden within the graveyards. Uh, he commands them to find her through their dark magic, uh, and they locate her just as Ahsoka connects and locates Sabine by connecting with her through the Force. Uh, with the coordinates, Thrawn commands Captain Enoch to fire on Ahsoka. Ahsoka then takes off and manages to escape the attack. Thrawn, now pleased that they've forced her out of hiding, commands Captain Enoch to contact the fighter group and re-engage. In the distance, Sabine and Ezra see Balin and Shin, and Balin tells Shin to contact Thrawn, uh, let them let them know of the coordinates of Ezra's coordinates, and then to kill Sabine and Ezra Bridger and to take her place in the coming empire. She asks if he'll if he'll help, but he says his path lies in another direction. She responds with, uh, sorry, she sends the coordinates to Enoch uh, as Balin offers her one parting lesson: uh, impatience for victory will guarantee defeat. The bandits ride towards Sabine and Bridger, and Shin follows uh, as Thrawn commands Enoch to dispatch two gunships to assist them. So I wanted to pause here and and talk about a couple of things. But first, I wanted to kind of get into the idea of the Great Mothers and Morgan Elsbeth. And like, why, why are they so willing to do, you know, whatever Thrawn asks? We don't, we don't know. I think they've, they've seen something or mm. they have some sort of a foresight or they maybe it has something to do with what they're loading onto his ship and right. the promises that have been made uh you know i think again there's there's a lot of questions that still need to get answered and i don't and I'm, i don't think we're going to get them all um but there's some interesting seed planting here in this scene that that feels you know it feels very um again spiritual and and you know it highlights this this idea of of magic and this beyond just the force mm -hmm. uh having a sense of of connectivity uh that might rival the force in a lot of ways yeah you got you guys talked about it uh on the episode last week about you know thrawn is clearly taking something off the planet and this is clearly we see now uh it must be beneficial for uh you know uh the witches here to to sort of you know they're working together in tandem maybe they're locked on the planet in some way and they can't physically get these items off the planet themselves. And so need to help somebody else do it for them. Um, mm. But yeah, there's, there's definitely Thrawn is doing something to, to, to he's, he's paying some sort of blood money to get this magic for sure. And, and I just want to call out, like, it was really interesting that, you know, as soon as the connection was made between Sabine and Ahsoka, you know, they do that hard cut oh, so of the cool. Night Sisters and her eyes opens and she's like, she's there. She basically triangulated her through the the force. But is it the force? Because yeah, I'm the force 
Okay. Yeah, the Force is the the Force is everything, and the way that the Jedi uh, like that's just what the Jedi call it. But the Force is a magical thing that everyone believes in, or runs through everything, and different cultures have different names for it. So it is a thing that everyone is constant. It's just how you access it that changes depending on your culture. Well, I was yeah. just wondering, could it also mean that like maybe Sabine's like got a bit of Night Sister in her? No, I, I think it, I think it's through the Force. <laughs> I like that though. I just think it's funny, like. You know, I've been led to believe that Thrawn is this great strategist. And I know at the end of the episode, he kind of explains what he's doing here. But this seems like, let let Ahsoka go so that five minutes later I can use magic to find her again. Even though if Balin and Shin find um, Sabine, that's where Ahsoka's going to go. That's all they need to know. Like, they didn't need to use magic to find her they didn't they had her tracked down and let her go like it it uh, it all just felt like it was very forced like look at how smart thrawn is he's so strategic but that's the thing he's the sherlock of the empire like he just thinks he sees all the pieces and is able to find the perfect plan for every outcome and he always thinks and he's always a step ahead that's his his way of strategy and the fact that again we're getting to see that executed in live action it just seems super convoluted in this particular instance and again he does explain why he's doing what he's doing here um but like when when the pergils come out of uh their hyperspace and there's the mines there and it scares them away and they're gone that's brilliant that's foresight that's the strategy i'm sort of picturing where it's like okay he's Mm -hmm. now gotten rid of their transportation that's really clever uh this one just it was a little bit like look at how smart he is and i wasn't buying it and i think honestly kevin i felt that so much in this episode and i know that part of my sort of initial uh understanding of of this episode and sort of the rating that i was going to give it did fall in line with a lot of sort of like well why did they like i get that it's to show how smart he is but it also feels like it's just kind of backtracking if you will throughout the episode um but i i i think that that just has a lot to do with the fact that we've only got this much time in in this show to represent you know x amount of time right and so it's like maybe if we were actually there it would be a much longer amount of time throughout the day instead of just five minutes, what feels like five minutes. But obviously that doesn't translate as well uh, to us as the audience. So I think, I think you're right. Like I think, I think there might've been a bit more of a middle ground that they could have met in terms of how they structured that within the episode and how they showed that off. Um, But yeah, no, I think, I think the only other thing I want to kind of bring up though here is the idea that um, last week we had kind of talked about the idea that maybe they were they were transporting deceased uh, stormtroopers. Um, I think it's much more in line with uh, Justin. You would also speculated maybe Knight Brothers and Knight Sisters, uh, and I think that actually makes a lot more sense. And thinking back to it, and looking back at when Morgan Elsbeth says, "I've seen the catacombs," uh, to me it's like they. I don't think they would have built catacombs for stormtroopers or that they would have stored them in the sacred catacombs of the death miri um so i really am on the the bandwagon that uh, if we're talking about what did the night sisters get out of this they get an army and i'm wondering if they are anticipating that thrawn doesn't have full control over that army but maybe they do and maybe that's kind of their their angle 
I feel like it was more like they, they've been trapped on this planet for who knows how long, and they just want to just get want back to, get off, to the, yeah. where they came from. Just really and, want a PB&J, and they, you know? And if they're so connected through, the, if they're so connected to the forest and or their magics or whatever, I'm sure they, they know what happened to Dathomir and how all the Night Sisters there died or were killed mm. uh, by the Empire. But so. were they all? Or is this? Yes. Or is maybe. I mean, wait, wait. But is this maybe their? Conf- op- I mean, Marin. Marin acts pretty confident that she's like the last one. Right. In, but is in this maybe Star their Wars opportunity games. to now bring back their culture? Yes, that's what I'm saying. Oh, okay. That's what the whole. That's what I was getting at. See, was that's what I. All the ones <laughs> on Dathomir are dead. Yeah. And all the ones that are in these catacombs are dead too. But they have the bodies still, and they weren't burned away to ash. Right. So they can bring these back. Bring a magic boop. There you go. Now we've got Dathomir back. So okay. I think that's their end goal. Is just they want to go home, recolonize their people. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Right? And and make them matter. So yeah, I think that that's it's. You might be right though, Nate. It might be playing. They might be playing to Thrawn's you know beat because it's more beneficial to them but they know that they won't he won't have full control um and i think he sees an opportunity obviously to provide a real army and a real Mm -hmm. threat that could inevitably get the galaxy in order Mm -hmm. um but again there's just a lot of questions about what's been going on for nine years on this planet right well i also (laughs) i also want to kind of get into what's um what's about to go on or what's going on for for what what might be about to go on for a certain character um because I wanted to quickly ask you guys before we keep going about Balin in the sense when he says uh, one parting lesson uh, and just really in the idea that it's a parting lesson. I think last you know week I, I was really under the impression that he would have Shin take over his path that he's on. But now it seems like they're really destined for different things. And this really did to me felt like a goodbye like like a, a parting lesson that says this is his last lesson to you. Uh, now go off and be in Thrawn's empire uh, while I do my own thing. I don't know. He, he also added the remarks that he wanted her to succeed and that their paths are are both different. He sees them as different paths. Mm-hmm. And he he knows that she has ambition and she she wants to achieve things and he just wants to find what's calling him. Uh, so it's clear that Balin is making the adult decision here to cut his losses mm-hmm. uh, and to understand that he has trained her as, as well as he can. And now it's time for her to go, to go off. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed this part. I don't think many really suspected that this could be the case. Um, a lot of people have said maybe Shin is going to inevitably become Balin's enemy, but I don't know. It, it depends. Yeah. I mean, there was, they, 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 they sort of tension. thought about like, that at the end of the episode for sure. Um, I just, for me, I think the thing that I was just kind of wanting a little bit more of under of an understanding of what was going on with Balin in this episode. Um, I think the the it's one of those unfortunate things that with like the loss of of Ray Stevenson, like we might not ever know if they don't tell us next week what Balin was destined for, what he was kind of digging into um and if we if we do find out it's certainly not going to be uh through that character yes and i think that's the route that they'll go mm-hmm. uh, i would think less of this show if they try to somehow write ray's character like balin off especially given like how integral his performances were have been mm-hmm. throughout just to simply make up uh for for his loss i think this the story the series definitely has Balin's goal is being very important mm-hmm. and I don't think we're going to get a closure to his character. I don't think we're going to get a resolution to his character that's going to be uh, you know, 
sending him off, right? Uh, this is, we're going to find a way to continue that story that Balin is a part of in another way. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that, that excites me. Um, but it's also, like you said, it's, it's bittersweet because uh, Ray Stevenson uh, is incredible yeah. in this role. He, this is like crowning achievement. Stuff, One of the best, know. I think, Star Wars villains we've gotten in he, a long and, time and the thing is it's can you call him a villain like you i don't sure. know like he characters. he's only a Let's villain because he's yeah. he's 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 against our protagonist that is ahsoka but i you, you know his intentions it's it's funny there's so many people being like how is it that i'm i'm like kind of agreeing with balin right totally. like you know it's it's true i want to uh i want to just i know we're going long on this section of the episode but i, I couldn't help but bring up a tweet uh, that's gone viral. I don't know if you guys have seen this, but from Twitter user, uh, n- I think they're Nisa592, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, um, tweeted a, uh, a close-up from a few, few episodes ago of Balin's wrist display, uh, which has some names that they translated. Uh, that's uh, just a list of names saying Luke, Leia, Han, Chewie, R2-D2, C-3PO, and then Ben. Uh, and part of me, you know, makes me think this is just a clever little Easter egg, especially given the fact that it says Chewy and not Chewbacca. Like, why would Balin ever refer to Chewbacca as Chewy? He doesn't know him like that. You know, they're not cool like that. Um, but Kevin, do you think this is anything more than just like a little hint, hint, nudge, nudge at the fans? I mean, I guess it really depends what his end goal is. I was going to save it for predictions, but... You know, is he looking for the world between worlds for some for some purpose? And if that is maybe to connect our OG characters to their eventual destinies. Like, I agree with Justin that I wouldn't outright call Balin um, a villain. And mm-hmm. what if what he does see is, you know, the Empire still exists. Um, you know, maybe he even knows that the Emperor might not be dead. I mean, if mm. if Sabine is hinting at it, maybe there are already feelings in the Force that something's amiss. And what if his end goal is, even if people need to be sacrificed along the way, is to eventually bring down the Empire, the the you know the eventual First Order, and the Emperor for once and for all, and fulfill the overall prophecy. So it's a hit list through time. It's not maybe it's not a hit list. It's a I'm gonna get in their way so they go the right way sort of thing. Okay, okay. It's a it's a redirecting list. <laughs> oh, so he's like time cop. He's gonna like time Jedi, and he's gonna. I love go that idea. That's it's that's interesting. He wants to change their path to change the outcome of of how to break the cycle. I don't know. I think I think Jedi and Empire and Sith, they're all on the hit list. Uh, they're all they're all the ones that he's trying. The, they're part of the cycle that he's trying to break. I think he can't just break one. You have to break both. Mm. Um, and I think that's that's where he gets gray, right? In the sense of like, is he a villain or is he a good guy? Um, you know, his his intentions, while they seem justifiable, that he talks about the cycle, the the the, the sort of the the, the rigor the rigor of of the galaxy constantly going through this good side, bad side, light, dark. Um, that something needs to change, right? And what he's seeking is the 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 beginning of that. And I'm I'm wondering if if what that what that beginning is, and you know, the world between worlds seems to be very special and destined to people that that seek it, and it seeks them in a lot of ways. Uh, so I'm, I would be I'd be I'd be interested to see if if he's trying to find a, a gateway. Um, but 
it could be something else. Well, see, the only thing that I, I was wondering, right, because it, especially given that the list ends with Ben, and this wouldn't be old Ben. This would be, you know, five-year-old Ben. And so, you know, I think if, if Balin believes that the grandson of Darth Vader is maybe the actual heir to the prophecy, uh, right? He would have studied the prophecy, the the one to bring balance to the Force uh, at the Jedi Temple. And we've talked in previous episodes about sort of how Jedi slash non-Jedi he is. He's like that, he's like that, uh, you know, that meme of um, Drake, like doing the, you know, but he's like, in, in my mind, I, I feel like maybe he wants to start a new empire of his own with that kid. And so maybe it's just, it's it's less of a, like you're saying, like a like a hit list, Kevin, but more of a way to say, like, let's get to these people because they get me to Ben and Ben is the answer. I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, feel, I also think that it's just a, a little Easter egg that they they sort of put in. But again, it, it really does come down to what the end goal is. Right. Do they like rewrite the Knights of Ren? Right. We know there's a comic book about the Knights of Ren, and I understand that canon is canon and they're not they don't usually like to to break that stuff because this this com these comics and this this series is part of the new canon. But if maybe Balin in some way could or was destined to be uh involved in the Knights of Ren as a knight. I don't know. I, I get the sense that he's more just he's looking for knowledge. He seems very much like a way seeker, like I mentioned earlier from the the High Republic era, where it was a Jedi who just listened to the Force and and went where they were needed type thing. That's and I cool. feel like he's doing much the same thing, where he's just he's constantly trying to find new knowledge and maybe that's power, but it's it's different ways of accessing the Force throughout the galaxy. And I think that might be his true calling is just to absorb as much power as possible. I feel like that's his end goal. He's looking for the One Piece. <laughs> that's what he's doing i oh, love it dang it i love it all right well i hope he starts stretching his limbs but uh, uh let's keep going here the attack begins as the bandits chase the noti caravan i think we we're calling them the noti before noti um sabine manages to shoot down a few bandits but uh then ezra shouts whoopa whoopa uh, and the noti circle up they all lock down inside their ships. Uh, meanwhile, Ahsoka locates them as she's still being pursued. Uh, while it's still, while she's still in flight, she jumps out of her ship uh, and rolls as she hits the ground in some of probably the worst CGI that the show's done. Uh, <laughs> but I will say she's uh, immediately confronted by Balin, uh, and the two begin to duel. As the enemy begins to circle in, Sabine uh, attempts to offer Ezra his old lightsaber or even a blaster, and he says, "The Force is my ally." It's all I need. As Balin and Ahsoka continue to duel, Shin attempts to take out Ezra, but he blocks her attack with the Force. Ahsoka gets some assistance from Hu Yang in the form of cover fire uh, and escapes from her fight with Balin taking his howler. Thrawn recognizes Balin's absence from the fight with Sabine and Ezra uh, and the stormtroopers uh, as they start to surround them. Uh, Ezra suggests that they, listen, hey, why don't we just all talk or you can take us as prisoner. Uh, Shin shouts, fire, uh, and then a blast of force pushes some troopers forward as Ahsoka joins the battle and knocks Shin to the ground. Uh, okay, so let's talk about the big battle of Peridia here, uh, the fight between Balin and Ahsoka and the attack on the Noti uh, caravan. Uh, Darcy, is there anything that you wanted to highlight about this fight? Well, I got to say, one of my biggest issues with last week's episode was 
Ezra's reintroduction. I, I was very disappointed to see that he wasn't just, you know, I, I want him to be the rebel that we knew him as, mm. you know, constantly being a thorn in Thrawn's side and just messing up all his plans to try and survive on this planet or whatever, or bring back the Empire. So I was very buzzed, uh, bummed when he first said, no lightsaber, no blaster, the force is my ally. Mm-hmm. But then that led to just the most, like, rebels moments ever, where it's like, oh, I'm watching Ezra fight with the yeah. force. And it's the, the moment when he stops Shin's lights, like, lightsaber and oh. you see it, like, blurring yeah. through the force. Bending. Incredible. Yeah, I loved cool. it. Yeah, so that Ezra fighting with just the force alone was enough for me to, to get back on board with this character. So I love that. And that's exactly what we should have seen Yoda doing in the prequels is mm. not using a bloody weapon that he's very much against, but using the Force as his ally. Because um, I've seen a lot of buzz on Twitter the last couple of days about you know people who grew up with the prequel trilogy saying you would a Jedi would never give up his his weapon because like if it's Anakin who says something about you know that's that's such a, an important part of him is is the, the the lightsaber, but if you grew up with Yoda, and you know. In in the OG trilogy, talking about how the the Force is the, a Jedi's greatest strength, um, like that's how he should have been fighting Palpatine is just with the Force. I think that would have sent a much better message, made a lot more sense. So it was cool to f- see Filoni kind of, you know, nod out to that that you know Ezra's become a real true Jedi, not a warmonger, not you know uh, a soldier, but a, a, a user of the Force. That's that was really cool. Yeah. He's found God uh, in a lot of ways, right? <laughs> he is God. Yeah, well, he's, <laughs> yeah. Moses. he's Moses. Um and he's uh he's definitely he's letting um, the people go. <laughs> he, he's yeah, exactly. He's um I I think what's interesting too though and, and I mentioned it before. I want to know what's happened over the 9 years uh that's gotten Ezra to this place because mm. he is very chill. Like to your point, he's Darcy, he's not that rebel that's like, you know, that kid that's going to go and like fuck up things and like disguise himself to like get onto a ship and like cause a ruckus. And, you know, it's just, it's, it, that's not his game. And, and I, I, I want to know what's happened and I wonder if what's happened to him and what he's connected with is the thing that Balin is looking for. Uh, and, and I'm wondering if, if that's sort of rooted in, in, in what Balin is, is, is searching because there's a, there's a total, like when he looks over and he says, ah, the force is my, my ally. Like, there's such a confidence there, but there's also such an uncertainty that I don't know. There's just a, a, a balance between um, someone who feels like they've they got this under in their you know in the palm of their hand, but also we'll see how it goes. Uh, so <laughs> it I, feels I very Ezra, right? Like it, it, but that's what I mean. That yeah. felt very Ezra. I loved that. You know, Sabine's just going around blasting uh these these stormtroopers i think it, it you know again this just this felt like a rebels episode in in a lot of ways for sure especially i think this this fight and this i think specific scene, i yeah. think it's a great call out too in terms of looking at ezra and sort of thinking about like yeah it's been a long time for him without a lightsaber uh and it's almost as though he's kind of had he's been forced uh no pun intended to to go back uh, you know, sort of to a, a, to a simpler a, time, a simpler time to an earlier <laughs> age of the Jedi, and I think the interesting thing too, the interesting thing too, is like to a simpler time. I love that the Noti are using what Ezra calls. Uh, he says Yuka, Yuka, and I, I just imagine that's the Noti word for slingshot, slingshot. right? And it's yeah, just, yeah. That's Ezra's he taught them how original, to protect themselves. Yeah. It's his original weapon, and it's just as yeah. ineffective here. Uh, and I love it. I thought that was really, really, really fantastic. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. 
uh, just to, on the note with uh, Balin and Ahsoka, mm-hmm. I just love like yeah the, the the CGI was a little rough with her jumping out and and whatnot, but uh, when she lands, the fact that she lands right in front of Balin, <laughs> right it's there. like round two, here we go. Like yeah. it, it it was a cool little moment, uh, and I, I you know something I guess I, I wasn't expecting, but I was like oh that's that's convenient, and you know given where we last saw the two of them fighting, the journey that she's been on to get here, you know she's now wielding two lightsabers. Uh, she's a little more poised and a little more in the zone. She she has her mind in the right place. You see a difference in the way she's fighting Balin uh, after the events of of Episode Four. Uh, so yeah, it, this was it was a cool little lightsaber duel. But again, we got a lightsaber duel. Like awesome, you know. So what I mean? good. And like <laughs> shout out to Kevin uh, Kiner. Sorry, Kevin. Uh, to Kevin Kiner for the piano note. Although Kevin, I think I think you could have done that on the piano. You've been you've been practicing. Um, but I. Uh, I just that's his that's his song. I that's love Balin's it. song. It's Balin's yeah, it's song. So like the moment he grabs her fist and stops it, and it's just it's one of the coolest things. It's like literally, it it just brought me right back it's to him so in the hallway. Different. And yeah, yeah, and it's just it's it ah. Oh. I can't get over it. I can't get over it. And then I also just want to shout out Ahsoka when she goes up against Shinhati for the first time in this series and basically does like like Kevin, what's it called in basketball when like they're about to score like a dunk and then they just get s- the ball smacked out of their hand? Like what is that referred to as? Stuffed. Is it called stuff? Stuffed. Okay, well, <laughs> Ahsoka I wasn't expecting the answer from Darcy, but I used to play basketball, man. Come on. Ahsoka <laughs> stuffed uh, Shin in that moment basically just saying like sit down little girl like you don't know what you're dealing with that was unreal but she she extended an olive branch sure absolutely but she, no, but but she whooped when, her ass prior <laughs> when she stuffs her there all she needed to do is wave her finger uh, in her face like to, to Kembe Mutombo uh uh uh, yeah. uh, uh denied so good denied so good so good yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Well, I mean, this this fight, and I think a lot of the sort of moments in between, uh, really brought the episode up for me. But let's we got a little bit more to go here. Thrawn commands a recall of the gunships and the aerial pursuit, and Morgan gives him like this look of like, "What are you doing? Are you sure?" Um, and he says, "These are uh, unfortunate but acceptable losses given the absence of Lord Balin," uh, which he kind of like, in my mind, that's him being like. It's actually your fault. Like these, these are the two people you entrusted with this mission, and and like you know, it's on you. Uh, and so she quickly backs down, and he says, "In the grand scheme of things, one might even call this first match with Tano a success." Morgan disagrees, uh, and he shares with her that the that um, their enemy uh, it was so distracted that the 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 first cargo transfer is now almost complete, which means. They can leave this forsaken place. Ahsoka Tano has lost the one thing she could not afford to lose today. Time. He says time is very much on their side. And he walks away after saying he's going to keep it that way. So, um, Kevin, I mean, you already kind of commented a little bit on sort of the idea of how they portrayed Thrawn's, th- uh, Thrawn's strategy here. Strong. Thrawn's strategy. Strategy. <laughs> <laughs> um, what did you, like, did this this save it for you? Did this work out a little bit better with the reveal of sort of what he was aiming at? I mean, we, we find out what he was trying to do. It's the way he did it that kind of annoyed me uh, earlier in the episode. I think... Letting her go just to instantly, at least from our perspective, look for her again. If he had instead, you know, said, said you know, pursue, get in her way, but don't attack. And, mm-hmm. you know, you know, uh, then Morgan could have been spot, like, what's maybe. going on? But, yeah, right. like sort of, you know, wait until she finds Sabine, but make it hard, make it take a while. 
and then he could explain that it was just a stall tactic. He he eventually wanted them all to be there, far away from where they are. But like it just, it was the execution of a plan that now makes sense that I wasn't too keen on. But again, mm. by the end of the episode, it was like, okay, I see how he's laying out the pieces here and what his strategy was. I was just not a huge fan of the execution of it. Yeah, he played a specific card in the moment, which was the Night Sisters, right? He threw that card down and he used them to, uh, you know, as a strategy boost to kind of find uh, Ahsoka in that moment. But right? he didn't he, need he to. Knew. She was, they already knew where Sabine was. Like, it was just like, I w- let's throw the Night Sisters a bone here and give them something to do. They're bored. That's, you know, that feels more <laughs> like that than anything else. I think, yeah, I think the most interesting part from that whole sequence, though, is the fact that they were able to triangulate based on the force, mm-hmm. right? And I think that that was what they were that trying to, to me show. Was what they were trying mm-hmm. to show, but maybe to your point that that was a bit of a, a stuffed, stuffed portion of <laughs> of the episode just to prove that one a different thing. T- type of stuffed. I I will say Lars's mm-hmm. uh, line delivery when he says the word this time whole episode is yes. like that's to me that was the most like him explaining his theory to to Morgan of like what what uh, you know she wasted was time. That was for me the most thrawn uh, that he's been in these these past few episodes. It's just so damn good. Uh, yeah. But mm-hmm. this so is it's, it's peak thrawn. I mean, again, yeah, he's the Sherlock Holmes of the Empire and yeah. the most like well, the most brilliant strategist ever. And I just it, it makes sense. He knows everything. I, I, I was it. I was I, after this episode in my mind, I was like, Darcy's gonna like this episode because Thrawn really does show himself as a strategist, even even in at times in Rebels and. You know, I haven't read the, the the Legends books, but in Rebels, he would allow loss. He said, mm-hmm. "You learn from your loss, mm-hmm. right? You oh, yeah. learn from from the strategy. You learn about your enemy, so that it makes you stronger the next time." And and I think that we're seeing that on full display here, and as a way, as a tactic to to buy them time, so that they can fill the rest of their cargo, uh, so that that that's you know they can get out of here quickly. Um, but he, Nate, like you were saying. Nicholson is killing it. And I, I was reading online like a lot of people saying anyone else could have been Thrawn. Could have had someone a little more spry, like a Benedict Cumberbatch. Right. Or, the know, actual Sherlock you know, Holmes. You know, like yeah, the actual <laughs> Sherlock Holmes. Sure. But you know, I, I, I then they someone had cited something Filoni said, like, not everybody looks good in blue. And thank God Lars Mickelson looks good in blue. Um, but this is this is perfect, right? Like this is this is like full on seeing that that animated character, uh, like we've seen all of these characters come to life in, in in a great way. So good. Let's get to the finale of this episode of the penultimate episode before we get to the finale next week. Um, as the troopers and Shin retreat, uh, which we also got some trooper uh, banter, I noticed back and forth, and none of them exploded in green smoke. So. I think for the most part they are alive, uh, but uh, but as they all retreat, um, Shin, uh, you know, we see Ahsoka offer, as you said earlier, Justin, an olive branch. Um, she she offers to help Shin, uh, and Shin refuses, and she she takes off running. Uh, Sabine is so happy to see that Ahsoka is not dead, and Ahsoka is stoked to be reunited not only with Sabine 
but with Ezra. And she lets out, I think, the first laugh that we've ever we've ever heard of uh, Ahsoka from Rosario Dawson. Uh, Hu Yang flies in uh, as the Noti come out of hiding, uh, and Ezra says he has a feeling, and he's all smiling, and his bright blue eyes are glowing, and he says, uh, "I think I might be going home." after all uh so let's get this is a perfect moment for our predictions uh i'd love to know what you thought of this ending but i also um i want to know do you think ezra will be going home after all kevin um i i I, i'm kind of torn with who's getting off the planet at the end of uh this season um Mm -hmm. i'm almost thinking ahsoka makes some sort of sacrifice i don't think with her life <clears throat> I don't think you have this show finally introduce live action audiences to this character and, you know, uh, just to, to, to kill her off this soon. Uh, totally. There's so much potential going forward. But I think she makes some sort of sacrifice to get Sabine and, um, oh my goodness, wise, and Ezra on this Thrawn ship, you know, as stowaways. They'll leave and uh, it'll be up to Ahsoka and Shin to work together in kind of like an interesting light side, dark side, Padawan master relationship, maybe use the world between worlds as some sort of vessel to, to find their way off this planet eventually. But I think that's how we, we leave Ahsoka. I think Ezra does leave under, you know, maybe um, circumstances that are not as ideal as he seems to think they're going to be by the end of this episode. Uh, But no, that's sort of where I see this going. See, I almost thought that it would be Sabine and Shin uh, and Ezra that make it off, uh, and it would be Ahsoka and Balin left uh, to sort of figure that out. But I, I also do like that idea as well. I just think the the concept of continuing a uh, a sort of a will they won't they friendship between Sabine and Shin, and how much they've they've had so much conflict this season, I think would be really interesting to see them eventually become friends. Um, but I think with with Balin uh, knowing maybe Ahsoka's direct connection to Vader uh, to Anakin, I just feel like maybe she's more important to him. Uh, which is why I don't think that he was really invested in that fight when they fought. I thought, I thought, oh, you know what? He kind of was like, yeah, like the, you know, you go and it'll be fine. I don't. I, I think he kind of let There's, her go in that moment because yeah, he wants exactly. to he, continue with her. Exactly, and not well, not continue, but get her out of there. Oh, okay, right. So he could he could uh, seize whatever it is that's here for himself. Um, I'm very much aligned with 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 you, Nate. I, I think that it's going to come down to Ahsoka trying to stop Balin from finding whatever it is that he's looking for. Mm. I think that's going to become clear, and it might become clear pretty quickly off the top of the episode. The Bendu. And I think that Ezra, <laughs> well, whatever it is. Sure, but yeah. <laughs> the, the idea that, like I was saying before, I wonder if Ezra, the reason why Ezra is the way he is and how, how deeply connected he is with the Force has something to do with what Balin is searching for. Interesting. And if if... Ezra drops that hint to Ahsoka and then starts to understand that that's what Balin's here for and that's what Balin is trying to do. They divide and conquer. And I would love to see Ezra and Sabine do a classic Rebels mission where they take that Stormtrooper armor, the get Night themselves Trooper all dressed armor up, and... yeah, and get themselves back <laughs> Pull and actually sneak out. Yeah. Classic Star Wars, classic, you know, it's Ezra. He loves to dress up as that. You know, they always sure. used to do missions like that. I think it would be really 
fun and and through that you know they're confronted by shin yeah right and i think you know it would be interesting to to see how that unfolds and they kind of unravel what's going on on thrawn's ship yeah and what he's what he's bringing back and ahsoka uh, to your point is chasing down balin and stopping him so that's sort of my loose theory of of what's what's going to happen and i don't know i i think you're right i don't think i don't think ahsoka will end up off of this planet by the end of this the finale well at the, sure. at the very least i hope that ezra grabs one of the helmets and just looks at sabine and says you know for the collection or something because it's you know it's all gold and cracked and cool looking i hope he finds as i hope he finds kanan's saber that would be pretty nuts uh but darcy i want to know uh do you think uh do you think ezra gets off the planet goes home i don't think anyone's getting off the planet Whoa! i think it's gonna well I, I think it's gonna be we can either let Thrawn go back and go back with him or find a way to make like stow away or we can stop this threat from going back to their home like their galaxy wow. and they can figure it out on their own like we like once they stop this ultimate threat they can take the time to figure out how to get back now that they're all together and maybe again three heads are better than one with this world between worlds they could work out something where they can be in communication with someone back in the regular galaxy and work from both sides or something but I, I again I don't the way that again earlier in this episode when uh, Hu Yang's flying around, he he says, "Oh, I hope I survive long enough to see the <gasps> how this plays out or whatever." No. He mentions when he sees them all together. I'm like, "Don't say a flag like that." So the fact that he didn't die in the gunfight was great, but now I'm just worried that this flag that Ezra met brought up is like maybe they're not going home. Like maybe home is the fact that they're all together now, and it's they got to find a way back or forward from wherever it ends next episode, whether it is, again, chasing down Balin with Ahsoka or, again, just stopping Thrawn and, and the Night Sisters with their, you know, grand plan of bringing back Dathomir or, again, just invading the other galaxy. So, yeah, I don't I, I think it's going to be another ultimate sacrifice and that'll lead into a season two where they can, again, find their way back or, or stop another threat that is... It was just the tip of the iceberg with Thrawn and the Night Sisters in this universe. Right, because... Or galaxy. Because what is home for Ezra? Right, like he doesn't really have like, sure Lethal, but like home is the rebels, it's the crew, it's the crew right? Yeah. It's but that's why ship. he said it. That's why he said it in that moment, right? Too. Mm-hmm. He's like, I have a feeling I'm going home, mm. right? Because he's he's being reunited with not all of them, but you know, some of his family, right? The other, oh, we better get Zed next important. episode. Well, I think we'll get him happen. on the other side, but you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Yeah. But you know, let's also remember, like, this is the first time that ahsoka has seen ezra since the world between worlds in in uh season season four Mm -hmm. he said come find me when you make it out and they they never had a reunion so this reunion has been a long time coming um so it's going to be interesting to see how you know you see how skilled ezra is now with the force and there's something about this planet beyond what 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 Thrawn is is doing, and I, I'm I'm interested. In, in some ways, I think Thrawn might be a little bit intimidated because he was asking, "Where's Balin? Mm. Where's your Where's your dude? Maybe he knows what's going down. Where's 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 your dude? Where's What's going on? I, you know, he kind of suspected that he couldn't couldn't trust him. Mm. Right? So yeah, because he was like he was a Jedi. And, all right, mm. well, only uh, as Thrawn puts it, time uh, will tell. Um, but we've got time on our side as we move into the final watch club. But before we leave, we have to, of course, let you know our overall score uh, and rating for this episode, which we're going to be rating on a scale of one to five times well wasted. Uh, and Kevin, I'm going to get you to kick us off. 
uh, you know, uh, Thrawn's planning and and whatnot. Uh, but overall, this is this is a terrific episode, a really fantastic penultimate episode in what is a much larger story. I think we're seeing mm. sort of unfold here. Uh, you know, Filoni's been uh, working with Favreau and really setting up this this new age of television live action Star Wars. But I think this series, this season, has really laid the foundations of of where we're going and what our focus is going to be as we move forward. And so I know I I had some doubts uh, early on in the season that you guys very quickly quelled and and reassured me that this is just sort of the first chapter in in a much longer story with these characters uh, that we're going to be, I think, very clearly spending a lot more time with. but to talk about the episode itself, uh, you know, Filoni snuck in another lightsaber fight, so that's always a lot of fun. Uh, we got some really great dialogue exchanges between uh, some of the characters. Thrawn, you know, himself just just dropping some some all time uh, Star Wars quotes here. Um, you know, I think because of who he is and his presence on the screen, Mickelson's really nailing that presence. I've I've felt it now in just two episodes. I'm like, okay. Thrawn's dope. Thrawn's a badass. This is awesome. I can't wait to see to, to see more of him. Uh, and so I think, you know, in terms of just sort of getting our characters back together, this reunion felt better than the reunion we got at the end of last mm. week's episode, which is kind of interesting given the the relationships between the characters. But uh, I'll take I'll take what we got from it. Um, and I think the interesting thing is that it poses more questions than it gives us answers, um, which is always exciting uh, as we move throughout a story like this. And so I'm very curious to see, uh, you know, what happens next week. And so the fact that I'm already excited uh, to see where we go next is such a testament to the episode. I know you guys are going to talk about your musical cues and stuff like that. So I'll save all the, the gritty details and just say as a, casual fan of these characters who's now just getting into them through the live action world i've really fallen in love with them over these seven episodes and can't wait to see more uh so for that fact alone i'll give this episode a 4.5 out of five times well wasted all righty okay darcy how about yourself yeah i mean after last week's episode had me very disappointed with the reveals. Not much happened. I didn't get the the impact I was wanting from the Thrawn and the Ezra, you know, introductions. But this one completely 180 that my opinion on these characters, and I, I can't wait to see more stories with with these live action versions uh, of the characters we like so much. But again, the lightsaber fight we got was great. Ahsoka was more snips than we've ever seen her so far in live action, and that felt great. I love the interaction with Anakin, and I hope we get a bit more of her training or, or re just going through that. Cause again, Hayden Christensen popping up is always a great thing to me. So I, I love this episode. Uh, strong five out of five for me. I can't wait to see how this series ends Woo. or the season ends. All righty, Justin. Damn. Uh, you know, this, this, uh, this seventh episode is, is, is great. It's a refreshing departure. Uh, I think from the typical penultimate episode formula, uh, that often, serves as a setup for what would be a grand finale. Uh, instead, I think it, it's embracing more of the consistent and self-contained narrative focus and delivering a story that is keeping me engaged. And I think as Darcy and Kevin have said, that's keeping them engaged as well. Um, you know, I think many would probably wish for some sort of dramatic cliffhanger, 
Um, but the episodes and the series, as, as Kevin was saying, its message is, is more about, it's not about the destination, it's about the journey. Mm. It emphasizes the importance of, of the present moment that we're in. And, and in, it's kind of inviting us as an audience to enjoy each episode rather than anxiously anticipate what's coming. Uh, even though we do, because there's just more questions than there are answers. And that's exciting and that's fun. It's keeping everyone uh, talking about it. Um, so while I'm sure it, it might not be the typical or be considered a typical penultimate, this episode, in my opinion, defies those expectations and, and really does focus on delivering a compelling story that, you know, with great action, outstanding performances, you know, nods to the past with great reunion. It's The series is just a real great example of the ability to balance nostalgia with fresh storytelling and ha finding the balance of, of mixing that. It reminds us that in the Star Wars universe, the, the journey is just as important as the destination. And I'm eagerly anticipating uh, what, what this finale is going to be. So I'm going to give this one a 4.5 out of 5. Yeah, I was, um, I think, to your point, Justin, of you talking about like the conventional uh, penultimate episode. That I wrote this thinking about you. <laughs> I appreciate that you're always <laughs> thinking about me. I know it. Um, I think, you know, I, I, I definitely went into this episode uh, and even came out of this episode, uh, you know, sort of like expecting more of a penultimate uh, conventional penultimate episode that we're used to. Um, we're used to getting the penultimate episode that is like it's the best episode of of, of the season, right? Are we though? Uh, I am at least for a lot of shows that I've watched. Um, I but I I will say like you know I think there are some incredible moments uh, throughout this episode that really brought me up. Us talking about it brought me up as well. Uh, I think seeing Ahsoka you know, weave through a minefield as an homage to the asteroid field in Empire Strikes Back or uh, the use of, like, force combat from from Ezra blocking uh, Shin Saber and then, like, that piano note moment with Balin. Like, all of those, like, sort of moments that had me, like, just sitting on the edge of my seat, you know, sort of uh, gripping my, my fists together, just stoked. Uh, and, and, of course, C-3PO. Like, there was just so much to the episode um, that really, really helped to to kind of get me over some of those minor gripes that I think I, I also share with Kevin in terms of like the how they portray Thrawn's uh, strategy and the fact that it does feel like a very short amount of time when in reality in, in the actual show it was probably a lot more and Thrawn's tactics actually made a, a lot more sense. Um, I think uh, you know as far as the 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 episode in terms of um, you know what you were kind of mentioning like it being part of a larger story uh this episode very much solidified the fact that i'm like yeah there's going to be a season two of this show i i wholeheartedly believe especially now that the writer's strike is over i believe that is going to give them the full green light to make a last minute edit change to the episode that's locked in on that you know up re-upload the episode on Disney Plus for when it's ready to go out and have a little end tag uh that says Ahsoka will return in season two. Um I, I just I think that's it's it's bound to happen. I'm so intrigued to see what happens next. I love Darcy the idea of none of them getting to leave. I love the idea of maybe like lost on Peridia, in a sense, like the ABC show Lost, but like, you know, they have to learn to live with Thrawn and like we see like a Noti like befriending Thrawn or something crazy like that. I don't know. Um, I'm, I'm okay with them kind of diving into 
trying to put some of these characters together that we initially don't think belong because I think that falls very much within the theming of the moral gray area of how do how can we you know I, I loved the episodes where Ezra had to had to work with Thrawn uh, and so I would love to sort of see some semblance of that between any of these characters uh, going forward uh, this is some excellent Star Wars and there's definitely more to come I'm going to give this episode a solid very solid four out of five times well wasted but that is it for this watch club for star wars ahsoka part seven Ooh, we're almost there we hope you enjoyed it and if you did make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts if you haven't already and if you want to write into the show with your thoughts or predictions on the shows we cover in watch club well let me just uh i'm just gonna use my my death Miri night sister great mother magic darcy help me make the triangle okay and we're gonna locate we're locating justin there he is so he can tell you how you can reach us. They can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. That's wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Or they can reach out to us on Twitter at geekcentricyt or the app formerly known as Twitter. Or they can reach out to us on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. I promise uh, listeners that the uh, Darcy and I making the triangle thing was much cooler looking uh, than it sounded. I promise. I, I, I don't know why I played <laughs> it was along. The best. I, mean... I wish we had video. Uh, no, it was, you guys. I can assure you. <laughs> I regret it. I'm glad there's no video. You, you can also join our Discord so you can keep up with this Watch Club. Share your thoughts and theories with us. Do you think Ezra's going home? What do you think's going on? What do you think the finale is going to be all about? And and how are you enjoying uh, this this Ahsoka live action series? Uh, you can join the Discord by by clicking on the link in our description. Uh, keep in mind, we also have a ton of other episodes covering the latest summer releases out now, including our recent spoiler-free reviews for The Creator, another phenomenal uh, sci-fi movie that I really do think everyone should go and check out uh we also have our reviews uh for expendables 4 uh, a movie that um no one should check out but you should listen to the review to hear how much kevin and justin bag on that movie it's awesome <laughs> it's such a fun time uh of course we have our review for i am groot season two star wars ahsoka episodes one and two you can go back and see where we were we're just little ahsoka babies back then um and then of course only murders in the building season three and teenage mutant ninja turtles mutant mayhem we have a ton of great interviews with all sorts of star wars folks including Hayden Christensen, Anakin Skywalker himself. You can check those out on your podcast service of choice or over on YouTube at youtube.com slash geekcentric. There's going to be a lot to talk about as the hot geek summer begins. It's cozy transformation into the, the cozy, warm, uh, pumpkin spice geek fall. Um, we've got some spooky reviews on the way that I'm stoked for. Uh, and of course, if all this talk of fall is getting you a little cold and you're missing summer, you can also check out our recap of Fan Expo 2023. Uh, and we also did some fun additional coverage that's now available on our YouTube as well as our Instagram and TikTok where we played Kiss, Mary Kill. Uh, and that was a lot of fun. Plus, we have an interview with, a, uh, with Mike from Roosevelt's. Uh, and if you want to kind of check out some, some of the most stylish geeky shirts uh in our galaxy um definitely check out that interview as well kevin darcy justin thank you so much for joining me for this watch club and as we say we, we are, are no, no jedi, jedi.